This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jason How's it? BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, March 2nd, wherever and however you're connected, welcome. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who's filling in for the contract disputing and locked out Jerem Jordan. His name is Jason Shepard. Look, when Jerem wanted too much of an increase of the CBT, you're out. You're locked out. <laughs> We're locking you out. We... <laughs> is there a major league broadcasters talent association? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I may have to look into that one. But I, I don't believe that there is. Is there a spokesperson for said group? We need to look into this for sure, Jason, because we need to get in line with the MLBTA <laughs> if ever there is a contract dispute. Uh, look, if there's, if there's somebody out there, trust me, you're probably not the first person that's at least thought of that idea, okay? <laughs> I don't know if it's ever been, you know, willed into existence, but the idea, I'm sure, has been floating. Reunionizing yes, broadcasters? Exactly. Oh, boy. My water was not room temperature. I asked for only blue <laughs> M&Ms. And so help me, if I see another brown one in there, I'm going to lose it. Yeah, full, full diva mode here in Studio V. <laughs> Zero contract disputes over today's show lineup, I am very happy to report. It features one of the underdogs of the week, Jason in BYU baseball and Mike Littlewood. College baseball, in a way, is stealing the spotlight with the major leaguers in a contract dispute. The Batcats head coach will join us to discuss a five-game win streak. Our BYU Sports Nation WCC Basketball Awards before the conference reveals their own, so we're jumping the media release. They might dispute that, right? Sure, what? Well, here's the thing. Why don't they just announce it earlier and we could do it on the show? It's very true. <laughs> Again, we should bring that up in our contract negotiations, right? Yeah. <laughs> Plus, Jerry Palm of CBS Sports is doubling, tripling, quadrupling down even on BYU men's basketball, staying in his bracket. And did the BYU women's basketball team just deliver the greatest regular season in Cougar Hoops history? Think about that for a moment as we go to today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Well, you just alluded to it. Men's basketball moved up to an 11 seed in Jerry Palm's bracketology. What? Joe Lenardi, his latest bracketology was just released. BYU still remaining the second team out, so no change there. Uh, BYU will not be in action again until tomorrow night. They are waiting on the winner. Uh, excuse me, they will play the winner of the game tomorrow night against LMU and Pacific on Friday night in Vegas at 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Second out in Lenardi's bracket's not bad because a lot of things have not gone BYU's way on the bubble per se, so maintaining that and then moving up to an 11th yes. seed Palm, just maintain and then win two games in Vegas. I've always we'll really liked Jerry Palm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Say the guys who are like, why do you have him in the bracket last year? <laughs> The West Coast Conference hands out its regular season awards today. As we just mentioned, the men's rewards will be released at 1 Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain Time, just as we go off the air. The women shortly thereafter at 2 p.m. Eastern, noon Mountain Time. Shaley Gonzalez, no surprise, expected to be named the Player of the Year for a second consecutive year. And well-deserved when it becomes official. 
BYU baseball rescheduled its home opening series this weekend versus Milwaukee due to weather. It's still going to be played, but just a little differently. The Cougars will now be playing a doubleheader on Thursday, game one at uh, 3 o'clock Eastern. Then game two is set for uh, Four o'clock Mountain Time. It basically, the first game starts at three Eastern, and at the completion of that game, 30 minutes later, game two will start. And then Friday, the game will be played at noon Eastern Time. You just hang out at the field, bro. Basically, hang out at the field. No Saturday game anymore. Yeah. The good news is, all three games will be on BYU Radio. Get your hammock all lined up in the press box Thursday into Friday. Do your thing and then take the weekend off, right? So sure. You can watch BYU beat San Francisco in men's basketball. I like the way you're thinking. BYU women's golf continues to excel. They're a top 30 team. They finished fourth in the Gunrock Invitational, shot six under in the final round as a team. Alicia May Mateo, Lila Naliai, and Anik Hushkovich all finished in the top 25 individually. Brandon Davies continues his strong play for FC Barcelona basketball. Davies scored 14 points to go along with three boards and two steals and a blowout win over Morabank Andorra. Ah, take that, Morabank Andorra. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. How about BYU women's basketball? Let's take a look back at what they just put together in terms of a regular season resume, Jason. 25-2, and two, currently projected as a five seed in the NCAA tournament, number 17 in the latest AP poll, undisputed and untied West Coast Conference regular season champs. Jason, did BYU women's basketball just wrap up the greatest regular season ever in BYU basketball history? That's on the men's or women's side. The reason that this is such a good conversation to have is because it is a conversation. There is a conversation to be had that what we just saw with BYU women's basketball that it is the greatest regular season performance that we have ever seen. Now, for me, the the one that you're debating it against is on the men's side, the 2010-2011 BYU basketball team with Jimmer Fredette, obviously, and Jackson Emery, Brandon Davies, the team that ultimately went to the Sweet 16 and, and unfortunately lost to Florida. Here, the, the issue that we're dealing with here, though, is we're, we're not talking about postseason. No. We're not talking about what happened you know, going to the Sweet 16. This is 100% regular season. Yes. So the the case to be made for the women's side is certainly the record, 25 and two. Two losses. Two losses. The the thing for me that I think that this team can hang its hat on is not just the record. It's not just the teams that they beat, and they beat some good teams, especially early on. They beat a lot of ranked teams that really got the season jump-started and not only gave this team confidence, but I think gave the outside world a reason to start paying attention Certainly. to this team. You beat Florida State and West Virginia on yep. a neutral court, and if the quadrants were the same on the women's side, that Florida State win would be a quad one win for BYU women's hoops. Beyond all of those factors, the record, the teams that they beat, this team is not just winning games by a large margin, large margin. They are destroying teams. They <laughs> regularly have a 25 or 30 point halftime lead. Sometimes that lead stretches to 40 plus. This team is 
destroying opponents. So I think that's why they deserve to be in this conversation. The reason for the other team is obvious. It's Jimmermania. I have never seen, nor do I ever believe we will see again, another season with as much hype around a basketball team and a player at BYU than what we saw with Jimmer. Jimmer was leading SportsCenter on a nightly basis. If he was playing, he was leading SportsCenter on what he was doing. So that's why this conversation is so fun, because it is a conversation to be had. Sure. And that men's team in 2010-2011, 28-3 in the regular season, they finished number 10 in the final AP poll. But again, this isn't about final AP polls. Yes. This is about what was happening after the conference tournaments going into March Madness. They were the Mountain West Conference regular season champs. Jimmer was the player of the year in the conference. They were beating teams by an average of 13.5 points a game, which is pretty good because that was a very, very competitive and good Mountain West Conference with San Diego State, Kawhi Leonard, New Mexico was a good team, UNLV certainly was no pushover. But to your point, let's qualify the destruction of <laughs> BYU women's basketball. Their average win margin this season – 23.68 points per game. And that feels low based off of a lot of the scores we've seen. The average margin of victory, you're telling me, is almost 24 points a game. And at home in West Coast Conference play, you push that up closer to like 33 points a game. So they went undefeated at home. They were incredible. The two losses, Jason, too. Let's qualify those a little bit. At Oklahoma. Overtime. In overtime, Oklahoma is a projected three seed in the NCAA tournament. So certainly not a bad loss. And frankly, BYU was in position to win that game a couple of yes, times. Yes, they were. Ah, can you imagine if BYU had won that game and they'd be 26-1? and one? Then there would be no case against the Cougars to hold them out of a top-four seed in the tournament. They're a five-seed. I'm bugged by that. I think they have earned at least a four-seed to this point. 100% losses. Can't, okay? cannot agree more. And then the Portland game, people are like, oh, man, but the loss of Portland. At the time, it was a quad one loss, Jason. Yes. Portland was a top 70 team in net. Their star point guard blew out her knee in that game, late in the game, and has not been able to play since. So Portland has slid a little bit in the net rankings, but that's because they're not at full strength. Portland was a good team when they beat BYU, and BYU played their worst game of the season, and it was still close. Yeah, people th assume that the Portland women were like the Portland men, which are at the bottom. That, that was not the case when BYU faced the Portland women's team in Portland. Yes, this is a conversation. So people saying, oh, no, you can't. it's clearly 2010-2011. No, if we're talking just dominant regular seasons, this women's basketball team is right there in the combo. I do want to throw in two other teams on the men's side that I think we have glossed over because, you know, they happened a while ago and there wasn't as much media coverage and social media wasn't involved. But I present the 1979-1980 BYU men's basketball team. This was the team... The year before Danny Ainge made the heroic gallop and layup to beat Notre Dame in the Sweet 16 and go to the Elite Eight. That team was good, but even Danny told us the 79-80 team was better than the 81 squad that went to the Elite Eight. Here's why. 24-5. and five. They were a three seed in the NCAA tournament that year. They were WAC champions that year. That did not happen in 81. They just happened to get upset in the NCAA tournament. That team was loaded. Danny Ainge, Fred Roberts, Greg Kite, Devin Durant. Okay, so there are four NBA players right there. Alan Taylor, Scott Runya, Greg Ballas, Steve Craig, Steve Trumbull. That team was so good. They just had a heartbreaking loss in the NCAA tournament. But regular season-wise, they absolutely are in the conversation as well. And then this team, Jason, 
1987-1988, your guy Mike Smith, who helps out with the Utah Jazz. He was joined by Jeff Chapman, Andy Toulson, Jim Yusevich, Marty Haas, Gary Trost. That team was super good as well. 26-6. and six. They were as high as number three in the regular season AP poll at one point before losing to Alabama-Birmingham. They were the WAC champs. They were a four seed in the NCAA tournament. I think people forget that. That, that team earned a four seed. So, I mean, it, it doesn't happen often. And there are a very, very select number of teams here that could really make an argument for the greatest regular season in BYU basketball history. And I love that the women have joined that yes. conversation, Jason. There were multiple times when we had this discussion yesterday, like, hey, you know, what, what about this topic? There were multiple times where I was convinced I was going one way or the other. And I was initially, I was convinced I was going to actually go with the women. Okay. I, I was this like, look, it's more than anything else. It, it's the domination. It's from the get-go in the first five, six minutes, they've got a 15, 20 point lead. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, but look, I remember what Jimmer mania was like. Yeah. And I remember what it was like to have 100% attention on BYU basketball because of what he was doing. We will never see that again. And so then, okay, well, I'm going to go, I'm going with the 2010-2011. The and then about an hour later, I'm like, well, mate, but, but look, what, look what Jeff Judkins has done with this team. And look at the stars on this roster with Gonzalez and Tegan Graham yep. and Gustin yep. and Harding and Sarah Hampson. These, these players are all playing at such a high level and, and so, honestly, I kept going back and forth and back and forth, and I still don't know where I fall on this. <laughs> That's why I love this conversation, because some people may try and dismiss it. Like you said, oh, well, for sure it's the 2010-2011. It's not that easy, I don't think. What's the ultimate validation of a regular season? It's probably a seeding in the NCAA tournament, right? Okay, well, the... Three men's teams we just presented were a three-seed, a three-seed, and an 87-88, a four-seed. This BYU women's team still has some work to do in the West Coast Conference Tournament, Jason, and depending on what happens to the teams above them, maybe they earn a three or a four-seed. And voila, they have equaled what those teams were validated with in terms of a seeding in the NCAA Tournament. BYU women's basketball, if ultimately it plays out that they do not get any higher than they are now and are a five-seed, that, to me, is a massive disservice to what Jeff Judkins, his coaching staff, and these players have done. And I know that there is some significant uh, hang-ups with BYU being able to host because of the Sunday practice thing and whatnot. Look, I don't care where BYU plays. Just give them the seed. Give they them have. the seed they give deserve. Give them the seed that they deserve. That they, not sure. just that they deserve. They have earned. earned. They've earned it. They have earned that higher seed. Our question of the day. Did the BYU women's basketball team just wrap up the greatest regular season ever in BYU basketball history? If not this season, then when? And which team? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Ooh, strong opinion coming in from Jackson Payne on Instagram. Yes, no debate. No team in BYU history, men or women, Dominated the way this year's BYU women's basketball squad did. Woo! Okay. It's it's true. It's the, the domination, the destruction of opponents was so consistent. Yes, twenty four points on average you're winning by. That's like Gonzaga style, right? Yes. At Blaine Swallow on Instagram, 
in my lifetime, only 2011 Jimmer Fredette's team compares. Okay, so how old are you, uh, Blaine? Because I just presented 79 and 80 and 87, 88. Maybe you weren't alive when those teams were playing. But th- the point is, very few teams have put together this type of resume. Very few. And it's fun to see, and I look forward to seeing, certainly with the women, because right now their postseason is much more clear than what the men's side is. I look forward to seeing what they can do in the NCAA tournament. I feel bad for the team that has to face BYU potentially in the second round. <laughs> Agreed. All right, coming up, is Tyler Algier being overlooked by NFL folks? And head baseball coach Mike Littlewood in studio to discuss a new ringtone featuring Jason Shepard. Oh, and a five-game win streak. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU TV for West Coast Conference tournament coverage beginning Thursday at 3 Eastern time. Watch as we broadcast 12 games Plus, BYU Sports Nation live from the Orleans Arena, live in Las Vegas. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a baseball guy, Jason Shepard. I'm just glad you have college baseball, Jason. Hey, look, ain't locking us out in college, all right? This is true, and that's why we have the BYU head coach, Mike Littlewood, with us now to talk some hardball. Only one of us has coached a team to five straight wins. You're that guy, Mike. How does it feel to have won five straight games after a little bit of a slow start? You know, I, I'm proud of our guys. I, that's, the, that's my main emotion. I'm happy for our players. Um, it, it's been awesome to see them grow. This was the 2019 recruiting class that was really highly touted, and it took them a, a little bit of time to grow up with, with COVID and different things. But it's been nice to see them grow and mature and become really good college, confident college baseball players. And, and that's where we're at right now. Well, and I think the fact that the team did start out 0-2 and then turned it into what we've seen over the last five games, I think that makes it even more impressive. Yeah, and those first two games, you and I talked about it when we were in Florida. I equated it to kind of like playing basketball. You know, you used to practice and they put a lid on the thing so the ball would bounce back to you. It felt like that. Like, we just couldn't string hits together. And when we did have guys in scoring position, we couldn't get that big hit. And honestly, I thought, oh, gal, this is here we go again. This is what it was the first half of last year. But all of a sudden, we win a tough, tough 3 2 game with Jansen Kiesel on the mound. It goes six strong with 10 strikeouts, and, and we, we roll after that. And so, pretty confident team right now. Had a great weekend and, and just need to keep it up. An incredible weekend that featured an all time moment with uh, down to the final strike, bases clearing triple. And it was accompanied by an unforgettable call from Jason Shepard and Tuckett Slade. So my question for you, Mike, as uh, we're going to listen to this, is what was more impressive, the comeback in and of itself against Arizona State or the call of the go-ahead triple? I thought it was the triple until I heard the call. <laughs> All right, let's, 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 let's listen, listen to this to call. One more time. The one-two. And Brock get over hits the head. it down the get right over field the head. line. Get over Murphy the head. On the move. Get over the head. And he Come can't on, get Ozzie. it. Come on, Ozzie. Come on, Ozzie. Come on, Ozzie. This game is going to Ozzie. be tied. No, it took it's the lead. It. And BYU has scored. Ozzie Pratt. Are you kidding me? BYU leads with Holy two outs. Cow. In the top of the ninth, it is five. Holy cow. <laughs> Tell me you've requested that as a future ringtone. Uh, 
I have actually, yeah. <laughs> if you I, need, I, I can get you an MP3 copy. I didn't even have to request it. Tuckett just gave it to me for some reason. So, uh, see, Tuckett wants to play it off like, oh, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I, I can't believe. He loves it. Yeah, he loves yeah. every second of that call. Well, you know when he says, "I'm so embarrassed." Here, listen to it. You know, we <laughs> talked about that. So, yeah, it was it was great, and that's what I love about I love about what you do and what what Tuckett does. It's from Tuckett. This is like pure emotion. Now, on the other side, when something goes wrong, he's been known to break a headset or two up in the in the booth. So, but we won't mention that to no, anybody no, else, but no. but us. Yeah, nobody's so we'll keep that listening here. to nobody, this. Yeah, nobody's gonna know that but us. So it's let's all keep that in good. But I love the emotion. Yeah, it's great. Mike, what does a five and two start to the season mean for the program overall, from a recruiting standpoint, beating four of those five teams in the Power Five level, and so on and so forth? Well, I think more than the record five and two. I think anytime we set up our our non conference preseason non conference, really tough usually, and, and so we kind of look at it as if we can be above five hundred going into our league play, then we've done a pretty good job with the schedule that we put together. More than the five and two record, I think it's the teams we've beaten. Um, Marshall was Marshall was really good. They were big and physical and old, and and we, we honestly it surprised us how good they were. Um, they had good good uh, a good pitching staff. Indiana State was a, uh, a regional team last year, and so and then to beat Ohio State and Arizona State, it's something that may not not ever happen again to to sweep by anybody to sweep Arizona State on their home field. It was pretty impressive. So. We were recruiting so many guys from Southern California and and Arizona, and we had a lot of those kids at the game. And for the for them to see that, it just helps recruiting so much. And so I think that's the most important thing is the recruiting aspect of it. Well, and let's talk about the pitching staff overall. And, and you knew what you had coming in. You had a lot of returning talent and a lot of returning experience, but you had a lot of young talent coming in. And and you talk about some of those wins. You know, the, the win over Ohio State coming into that game on that Monday afternoon, they were averaging 11 runs per game. Pitching staff held them far below that. Arizona State is a team that had put double-digit, you know, runs on the board in a couple of their first couple of games. The pitching staff holds them down. What do you make of this pitching staff through the first seven? I, they've been awesome. They really have been awesome. Um, and we've talked to a couple of our starters saying we need a little bit more length out of them. But with our pitching staff this year, this particular year, we don't really need that out of them. You know, even though we would like that, we have plenty of guys to go to. When I say we're 12 deep, we are 12 deep. What we don't have is, besides maybe Jansen Kiesel, who's going to run it up there, he'll start Friday for us at noon. Um, he's going to run up to 96. He might see some 97s, and it's pretty consistently 93, 94. Uh, besides him, we don't overpower you, but everybody's in the low 90s, touches mid-90s, but they have good secondary stuff. We offer four left-handers. Um, we, we have, a uh, in Carter Smith, a ground ball guy. We just have a number of different looks, and if we can put those pieces together and put, a, put together a night-inning game like that, similar to Friday night's game, we use eight guys. They all came in and did the and like they just accepted their roles and and excelled at it and did a great job. BYU baseball head coach Mike Littlewood is with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the number one strength of this team? And maybe you just answered it by talking about pitching, but what's the strength of this current BYU baseball team? It, you know, it it has nothing to do with on the field stuff. It really doesn't. It's it's we've talked about culture and. Nobody can really define what culture is, but you can feel what culture is. And this team has it. I mean, they, they love each other. They, wanna, they want each other to, to excel. doesn't matter if, if, uh, if I'm playing short and he wants to play short, he's still rooting for me. And that's the great thing about a team. 
um, when you go up to the plate and know that that guy that, that wants your position is still, is still rooting for you. And this team has it. It doesn't matter if they're on the bench or on the field. They, they all want to win. There has to be a certain talent level. We have that. Um, I think we're, we're really going to excel on the, on the mound. But our hitters have really come around. They're, they're, start, they're much more mature. They're putting together better at-bats. So we're a pretty well-rounded team, but the culture is awesome right now. Well, and some of the young players, some of the freshmen, you know, we, we heard in the, in the highlight, you know, Ozzie Pratt, that was, uh, he, he came in, got hit uh, by a pitch, and then comes around on that Friday night game to, to be the, the go-ahead run, uh, but then gets the start on Saturday and has two singles, has a double. I mean, the guy yeah. with Colin, Colin Reuter has played well as a freshman. You mentioned Jansen Kiesel as a freshman. A lot of young Justice guys. Reiser. Yeah, Justice, Justice Reiser. Justice Reiser is another been guy that came in. For us. So you have a lot of young players that have come in and immediately proven their worth. Yeah, and and that takes talent, but it but it also takes that something inside of them not to be scared, not to have that anxiety. You can have a certain level level of anxiety, and if you don't, you probably you know you probably should get out of the game because you don't care. But it's how you handle that anxiety. And those those four guys that you mentioned have just really done a great job of playing like juniors and seniors and not playing like like freshmen, and that's been such such an important thing. And then on the other side, we have Hayden Latham and Mitch McIntyre and, and Andrew Pintar and Brock Watkins playing like veterans, and that's what we need. You know, and and others. I I shouldn't even mention four because we have Austin Deming. We have a ton of guys doing that. How much uncertainty was there about veterans potentially coming back because of the COVID nineteen situation and the exceptions granted? Did you expect all of this to return, or were you anticipating that maybe some of them would would take off? Well, I, I think our two question marks were probably Mitch McIntyre and um, Hayden Latham, and both of them um, they're they're so close to graduating they could have they've could have like Hayden's taken one class right now, but he just said I remember the, our our exit meeting last year, in whatever it was end of May June and and he said I can't imagine myself not doing this, and so I think their perspective has changed like I just want to help this team win. No matter what it is, I just want to help this team win. And and you can Hayden Latham is just he's the player that we we knew we were getting out of like a two-time All-American out of College of Southern Idaho. He's finally coming into his own at this level, putting together great at bats, hitting the ball off the wall, drag bunting, doing a lot of different things, playing good good outfield. And Mitch McIntyre is probably the like he's he's our go-to guy. I mean, he's if 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 he goes, we go. And he's been playing great. And it's it's amazing because he did not see a live pitch before our first game because of a, a little bit of a wrist injury. <laughs> and he's just smoking it. I mean, he's just Ball playing player. so great. Yeah, he's, just, he's a gamer. He's yes. a gamer. So the home opening series against Milwaukee uh, is going to be played, but it's going to be played a little differently than what was originally on the schedule. Still going to be a three-game series that will start Thursday, but instead of being a game on Thursday, one on Friday, one on Saturday, you're going to go with a double header on Thursday and then one on two, or excuse me, on Friday. But it's some some different times due to weather. Why don't you let everybody know what to expect for this opening series? Yeah, as we look at the weather, and you know, as a baseball coach, I've I've learned since I was 19 years old coaching baseball that you keep one eye on the weather. I mean, that's what you do. And in fact, we, through Dave McCann, I've built a relationship with Kevin Eubank. And so I, <laughs> I just text Kevin Eubank all the time instead of looking on weather.com and, and just kind of looking at it, it looks like a storm's coming in Friday night and it's going to kind of linger here until Saturday. And so Milwaukee agreed to play and tomorrow's going to be incredible. I mean, it's going to be around 60. So we thought, let's just play two games tomorrow, one game Friday at noon to make sure that we get three games in um, and, and we're not sitting here in the snow and I think it's going to be nicer for our fans and hopefully, ho- you know, playing earlier, it's a little bit sketchy with getting people out here, but hopefully we get a nice crowd. 
and the games on Thursday, game one at one, game two at four, or 30 minutes after the completion correct. of game one. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. And, and the other cool part about it is, you know, obviously you want to come see this team that's winning, but uh, there's there's some something new to see at Miller Park in the outfield, which uh, if you've driven by, you've probably seen it uh, on the last couple of days, but a brand new video board, which looks amazing. It, it, uh, yesterday we had a two and a half hour practice, and I think I spent an hour and a half just like admiring, <laughs> <laughs> just staring at the scoreboard. I mean, it's it's, it's absolutely it, it's going to create such a great fan interaction experience, and and you won't know it until you come here and and see all the information that's up there, and you'll know exactly what's going on in the game. And and uh, I, I know he doesn't want to be announced, but I mean, like, or named or anything. But we had a former player step up who's helped us a ton, and can't can't just can't thank that family enough for. Um, basically paying for the scoreboard and helping out with the softball scoreboard as well and, and getting both those boards up. With the pros currently not playing, do you feel like there's an additional spotlight now on college baseball? I really do. I, I, I feel like the people who I've been t- just through my everyday life, I've been talked to talked to a few people saying that we're going to come out to some games and there's nothing that haven't previously come out to college baseball games. And so maybe we'll pick up some more fans, but I, People love baseball. It doesn't really matter what level it is. I mean, if uh, I was going to like t-ball games when we when we couldn't play in 2020, so um, yeah, I hope I hope it uh, brings out some more fans. I've seen a couple of uh, of tweets, whether it be a uh, an article that that you were a part of talking about BYU baseball. I think with D1 baseball, uh, perfect game. Done some radio stuff. Um, what's what's the outside right now saying about BYU baseball in the start? Well, I know D1, he, uh, Eric Sorensen gave me a call after we swept Arizona State, and he, he goes, let me preface this interview with an I'm sorry, but you're going to be our underdog of the week, you know? <laughs> and I said, that's great, because the the only time we've been picked by the coaches to win our league, we took last. And every time we're, we're picked to take sixth or seventh, we win it. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with the underdog role. But I think, you know, it, the mark of a really good team in baseball is consistency. That's why the big leagues play uh, 162 games, and we play 56. And, and so we, we need to sustain this. Sustainability is the number one thing because we know there's going to be some tough times. Um, not every, we're not going to sweep ASU every week. It's not going to be like that. We just need to keep that consistency, even keelness, and kind of roll through the season and see where it ends. What's the scouting report on Wisconsin-Milwaukee? Big, strong, athletic. They have 20, they've, they've stolen 20 out of 20 bases in, in their first seven games. Wow. Um, Albeit 17 of them against um, Alabama A&M, three against Arizona, uh, University of Arizona. Um, they, they really swing it. They get up there and swing it. They're older. They're an older group. Um, and they're a little bit thin on pitching right now. They have a couple guys down that, that threw last week. And so if we just go play our game and, and keep that intensity that we had and keep the confidence, we, we should be fine. But always tough to win two ball games. I, nobody likes doubleheaders in baseball. Um, and so it's tough to win two games in, in, uh, in one day. But you know, our team was pretty pumped. I go, you ready to play two on Thursday? And they're like, let's play three. So they're ready to go. And, wow. and the rotation, uh, Sterner, Daly, uh, Kiesel on correct. for the two on Thursday and one Friday, correct? correct? Yep, that's a rotation. What's your go-to snack in between the two games of a doubleheader? Um, I like the um, gummy, like the just the, the glucose gummies. That's what I go to, yeah. They're, they're so, good. No, they're good. Glucose gummies. And they have a little bit of sugar on them. Yes. So... And I, and I always have beef jerky in the dugout, just okay. munch on beef jerky in the dugout. <laughs>
It's hard to argue with that. Yeah. Watching some baseball, chewing on some beef jerky. There's nothing, yeah. And some glucose gummies. And if I need to send somebody out for a cougar tail, then I might do that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, let's give you some karma for uh, another series win against let's Wisconsin I'll Milwaukee. I'll take it. I'll take it. Thanks for coming Thanks, in, man. Guys. Congratulations yeah, on the fast start. Thanks. All right, coming up, we tell you which BYU Cougars should be taking home WCC hardware today. And are you more of a Joey Brackets guy or a Jerry Brackets guy? It's gold, Jerry. Who you got? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. Enter for your chance to win one of five BYU basketball prize packs that includes autographs from the women and men's teams, socks, a mini hoop, and more by following BYU Sports Nation on Instagram. Like the post and tag friends for more entries. He is Jason Shepard. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get content throughout your day, follow us on all of the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. When is it going to become meta officially? I have no idea. Is it Facebook by meta? Yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure. I actually thought that was supposed to have already happened. That's not important. What is important is it's time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Okay, Spencer, in the latest bracketologies, ESPN's Joe Lenardi still has BYU as the second team out. Okay. But CBS's Jerry Palm has the Cougars up a spot and right now as an 11 seed. So are you a Joey Brackets guy or a Jerry Brackets guy? As you said minutes ago, Jason, it's gold, Jerry. I am a Jerry Palm guy here because, for whatever reason, he's buying into BYU's resume. And I have my own little theory here, but I believe Jerry is using common sense, Jason, and he is looking at BYU's four quad one wins. Yes. And seven quad one and quad two combined wins compared against a team like North Carolina, who has one quad one win. Jerry Palm is looking at the hard facts of an overall resume and he is rewarding more big, important wins. That, that, for me, is why he still has BYU in the bracket. Okay, I'm going to make this very simple. I'm going to go with the Joey or Jerry bracket that has BYU in the tournament. <laughs> Therefore, it is Jerry that I am uh, backing right now. If it certainly happens that next week, Jerry no longer has them in, but Joey does, I'm going to be a Joey Brackets guy. Sure. I think BYU has done enough. I think you talked, you just touched on it. The wins that they have, yes, they have some some bad losses. One bad loss, but so does North Carolina. Yes. They have a quad four loss too. I think though, unfortunately, people are putting more stock in the bad loss or losses, depending on yeah. if you say one or two, than what BYU has done with the wins. I think there should be more focus on what they did do especially with the circumstances of the roster. Well, the key is BYU still has an opportunity to get a signature win late in the season and say, hey, we have done something for you lately. Yes. All right, on to football. Jason, is Tyler Algier, who is about to compete in the Combine here in just a few days, being underrated by NFL types? Yeah, he did not make Mel Kuyper's running backs list, uh, his initial list or the ones that just missed out. Uh, probably. But here's where we have the advantage over the NFL. Number one, 
We saw every snap of Tyler Algier's career. We saw what he did. We know how important he was to what BYU was able to accomplish and what this offense was able to do. So from that standpoint, we're going to always give him the benefit of the doubt. Plus, let's be perfectly honest about it. We're emotionally invested in seeing Tyler Algier sure. find success sure. at the next level. Whatever. Is he, so is he underrated? Probably. But yeah. he has a chance to prove that moving forward. Well, and the ESPN guys, including Reese Davis and uh, Matt Barry and some of the guys who do the college studio shows, were saying, look, if Tyler Algier was playing in the primetime spotlight on an afternoon basis compared to where BYU was slated in several very, very late games, he'd be a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. He just didn't have the spotlight that some of the yeah. other players did. So, yeah, he's a little bit underrated, but he's still a top five running back in this year's NFL draft. So if he's, if he's the fifth running back taken, is that underrated? Maybe? Well, yeah. it, look, and you can get a lot of really, really good running backs in the second and third round. All right, Big Game Boomer back at it. He has Danny Ainge as the greatest BYU basketball player of all time. Agree or disagree? I agree with this. As amazing as Jimmer was, Danny Ainge took BYU to the Elite Eight, had a budding NFL career, and also played two professional sports, Jason. He's just the overall best athlete to ever come through the men's side on BYU. I agree. And uh, because Big Game Boomer is usually correct, he is also correct here. All right, Jason. Speaking of baseball and Danny Ainge's Blue Jays, if Major League Baseball strike continues into the summer, what in the world are you going to do if you have no St. Louis Cardinals baseball to watch? Probably, I guess, spend time with my family. Oh. <laughs> Wow, heaven forbid that happened. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if I can't watch a game, I mean, hey, let's go do something. Sure. No, they would. Do not put this on that we are not going to have Major League Baseball by the summer. I don't even want to think of that being a possibility. Jason, what am I going to do if I can't root for the Orioles in the month of April until they're in last place in the American League East again? You and Scott Van Pelt need to go over because Scott brings that up all the time. Right? Like, it's, like, it's like everybody's talking about losing. I root for the Orioles here for crying out loud. Yeah, I said the same thing about the Bengals and they ended up in the Super Bowl. Maybe it's the or maybe it's the orange and black of the Orioles that sneak into oh, did, the World Series. Did the Bengals go to the Super Bowl? I didn't know. Indeed. I'd, I'd forgotten. Didn't they beat a team you like? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> next, next one. Moving on. Caden Haas cleaned 407 in the weight room. Very impressive. Yep. Uh, I think it's time for a Spencer versus Jerem weight room showdown. What do you think? You in? You rolled my sleeves. Oh. I'll take my chances in that showdown. <laughs> if you have me run a 40 against Jerem or compete with him in the weight room, I'll take my chances, Jason. All right. I like I like this competitive side of you. Oh, it's on, baby. I like this. <laughs> I, do it. I do like this. <laughs> it's on. Three-point contest, whatever. One-on-one -on -one basketball, weight room, speed training. Let's go, man. What? Well, I'm in. What was interesting about this is uh, Houston Hay Mooley, who is a great follow on any platform, uh, put this out on TikTok uh, in regards to Caden Haas. Me thinking I'm strong, and he is. Which was impressive. Then he says, okay, one new post. <laughs> He's Caden. And there's Caden. That's just... I'm sorry. I would literally snap into with either of those weights doing that. Houston Amelie has a fantastic sense of humor. <laughs> you are strong, Houston. Just not as strong as Caden in the post that you just recognize on TikTok. And then the whole team's celebrating around Caden. We need to celebrate around Houston, right? You know what else we should celebrate? The countdown. Hit it. Countdown.
to the Bulls. 185. 185 days. I'm sorry. The bull at the end it gets me every time. I love it. I love it. I love it at the end. All right, coming up, rise and shout out to a couple of Cougars who were just better last month than everybody else. And how many BYU basketball players will be first team all-conference players later this afternoon? Like as in 18 minutes. We'll give you our list. We're jumping the gun. This is BYU Sports Nation. But not jumping the shark. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The season finale of BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is on demand. Watch as the coach and Greg Rubel review last week's wins and preview the West Coast Conference Tournament with Alex Barcelo and Tijon Lucas. It's available on demand on the BYU TV app. I like the sound of last week's wins. I know. Multiple. I also like the sound of this week's wins over yes. either LMU or Pacific and USF on Saturday. Honestly, I'm feeling pretty good about BYU heading into these first two games. They're a team that's desperate. And um, the Cougars haven't been in that situation for a while, really, ever in the Mark Pope era. But I, I think that they, I, I like their chances yes, as a I, team playing Yes, I feel very desperately. confident. Yes, I feel confident about this team going in. Also, they have some good players, which that helps. Let's a segue into our BYU Sports Nation unanimous West Coast Conference awards for the 2021-2022 season. We'll start on the men's side, Jason. With the men's all-WCC first team, there are 10 players. We are in agreement that Alex Barcelo will undoubtedly be on the all-WCC first team. Yes, I think that is a foregone conclusion. We debated whether or not maybe we would see Foose on there. Foose was so good, but the West Coast Conference is loaded. Yep. And I blame Gonzaga and St. Mary's for this because they're going to have multiple guys get on this list. But we have Foose as a unanimous second-team player. There are only five featured in the all-WCC second team, so Foose will be a part of that five-man team. Honorable mention, T. John Lucas. Now, he's a sneaky pick because T. John is a really, really good player. He was the alpha at Wisconsin-Milwaukee. He's an unselfish player, and because of that, sometimes he's kind of floated to the back, and it's viewed as inconsistency. If T. John were more of an alpha at BYU, and let's say Alex Barcelo was not in the mix, he'd be... For sure, a first or second teamer, but he's probably an honorable mention. Yeah, I think that's probably where it goes. But look, I don't think it would be crazy to see him as a second team, but with only five players, I think honorable mention is probably where he he lands. Okay, undoubtedly, all West Coast yes. Conference freshman team will feature the Fus. Fusini Traore will be on the all WCC freshman team. But who right. cares what the league says? It's all about what BYU Sports Nation says. But I think we're right on just about all of these. Yes. All right. On the women's side of things, women's uh, all WCC first team should be multiple yeah, yeah. Cougars yeah. getting recognition for this one. Shaylee Gonzalez, yep. Paisley Harding, and Lauren Gustin, mm-hmm. we believe uh, that uh, will for sure be the three on the first team. And remember, 10 players picked for this. Paisley Harding at one point halfway through the conference season had better stats and was on a better pace than even Shaylee Gonzalez. And I made a push. I was like, look, Paisley right now, to me, at this point of the season, has been the player of the year. Shaylee really turned it off in the back or turned it on in the back half. She's going to be the player of the year. But Lauren Gustin's one of the top rebounders in the entire country. Undersized, yes. undervalued. She still rebounds the heck out of the basketball. And let's not forget a player like Tegan Graham. Right now, we have her as an all-WCC second-team player. I think that's probably where she lands. Yeah. She's – she – 
she's one of those players that regardless of what she's being asked to do, whether she's coming off the bench, whether she's starting, if they need her to shoot, if they need her to pass, she can do it all at a high level. Jason, she shoots the three-pointer at an extremely high level. She's one of the best three-point shooters in BYU basketball history when you look at it percentage-wise. She's a double-figure scorer. She averaged five assists a game. Every great team needs like a glue player. Tegan Graham is the glue player for BYU. She's the glue player. Like she, she just fills in all of the loose cracks around the star players. She does so many little things. A huge part of BYU's team. She'll be a second teamer. Now, there's an interesting conversation around Sarah Hampson, though, right? Yeah, we were wondering if Sarah Hampson had an opportunity to also be on the second team. Uh, you may see her name coming up a little bit later on when we get to it. But right now we have Sarah Hampson as an honorable mention, all okay. WCC. It's, she comes off of the bench. Yeah. And Jeff Judkins has been very vocal about this, how much he appreciates the fact that Sarah is just willing to do whatever, play however many minutes or few minutes is required. She's been a starter her entire career. Yes. And he said he calls her the ace in the pocket. Yep. It's great to have an ace card that you can just whip out and be like, okay, go block three shots and alter all these other shots and grab five rebounds and change the game. She's a momentum shifter. Yep. All right. All freshman team, 95 Taya. We have on the uh, on the all freshman team for WCC. She is going to be a big time player yes. for this program over the next couple of Listen, seasons. Listen, Nani Falatea doesn't play a ton. She's got one of the purest shots that I have seen in a long time, and just looks so nice when she uh, shoots a three pointer coming off of her fingertips. She's really good, Jason, and I know that we're sad to lose Sarah Hampson and Maria Albiero and Paisley Harding. Shaley Gonzalez is only a sophomore. Lauren Gustin's only a sophomore. You had Nani Falatea. This is going to be a good team. Emma Calvert's a freshman. They're going to be good for a long time. All right, and one of the biggest no-brainers of all time, uh, player of the year, Shaley Gonzalez. Yep. yep. Go ahead and put that one down. Yep. Defensive player of the year. We're wondering if Sarah Hampson gets this this year. I think she, because of her reputation sure. – and what she does to change a game, whether she's starting or coming off the bench, I almost look like if Sarah Hampson's in the conference, I almost give her the defensive player of the year every season. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, whether you like it or not, you reward history and, like, what you know of a player. Like, if you just talk to a coach and say, hey, Sarah Hampson, oh, incredible defender. Like, so how much of that's going to bleed into the voting this year, even yeah. though she is coming off of the bench? But Shaylee Gonzalez leads the conference in steals, Jason. She has been a pest. She creates so many opportunities for BYU scoring the ball because of what she does on the defensive end. She is all over the place. You could name Shaylee Gonzalez the Defensive Player of the Year. Seriously. Don't be surprised if there is a BYU Cougar that comes out as the Defensive Player of the Year. And, of course, Coach of the Year, uh, yep. also a no-brainer, my buddy Juddy, Jeff Judkins. Yeah, Juddy buddy, jamming with Juddy. 25-2 on the season, his best year in his BYU tenure, and that's saying something because he has been a winner consistently. Yes, he has. Multiple conference championships, been to a couple of Sweet 16s. Even his, he says, like, this is probably the best team I've ever coached. It's fantastic. It's fantastic because he's had some really, really good teams. But the talent he has put together for this year's team is amazing. All right, let's keep it rolling, Jason, with our BYU resume update, shall we? On the men's side, uh, the women are clearly in, right? Clearly in. <laughs> Hopefully they get the seating they deserve. We've talked about it ad nauseum with Jerry Palm and Joey Brack. Jerry Palm has BYU as an 11 seed. BYU is the second team out in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. But hey, net 52, Ken Palm 50. If you beat USF, 
We're hoping that number creeps up around mid to low 40s. And then BYU's got a real case. Hey, John Gasway told us 40% chance BYU men's basketball gets in the tournament. 40%'s not bad at this point. You beat USF, maybe that hops up to about 65 or 70%. That's why it's so important for BYU to be able to play USF Saturday and get that win. All right. All right, coming up, your elite voice. And rise and shout out to the best of the best in BYU athletics over the last month. Got some off the radar stars. We're going to put them on the radar. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Send always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. While you're there, subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day. Did the BYU women's basketball team just wrap up the greatest regular season ever in BYU basketball history, men's or women's? If not this team, then who? In response, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Michael Croxel on Instagram says, this is the greatest season of all time. Only thing that would make this season better is a trip to the Final Four or a better ranking. BYU women's hoops deserve more respect in the AP poll. Again, this is regular season. The ultimate validation is getting a seed from the NCAA tournament. Can they do enough to get a four seed? Maybe some other teams above them lose some bad games late. They get a three seed. Just give them the seed that they have earned. And I think they've already earned higher than a five a four, seed. Like I, yes, they've earned They've already seed. earned that. Today's Rise and Shoutout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We're giving it to the BYUSN Athletes of the Month, Jason. How about Sadie Minor Van Tassel of gymnastics? Seven weeks in a row, she's been the MRGC Gymnast of it's the quite Week. quite the run. Seven weeks. Uh, she's probably going to be the Gymnast of the Year in the conference. Holy cow! Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and no. And then our guy, Zach McWhorter, pole vaulter extraordinaire from BYU Track and Field. He is... Tied the meet record, 18 feet, 9.25 inches. It's the NCAA best indoor vault mark of the season. Zach McCorder is crushing it as well. That well-deserved rise and shout-out. Absolutely. Our thanks to today's guest, Mike Littlewood. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Soon to be meta, maybe. Use the hashtag BYUSN. <laughs> For Jason, I'm Spencer. Shout-out to Justin Suey. We'll see you tomorrow from Las Vegas in the West Coast Conference Tournament. Go Cougs!